This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. It has to be founded on the foundation or based on the foundation of the Word of God being taught, the sheep being guarded from false doctrine, and being challenged in their personal walk to continue to grow in their faith. And that is the pastor-teacher's utmost job description. Feed the sheep, guard the flock, and lead them under the direction of the Holy Spirit. In this message titled, Preparation for Missions, Pastor David talks about the gift of being a pastor. All throughout the Bible, we're likened to sheep which have the tendency to go astray. The pastor's job is to protect and take care of the sheep. That protection is to be based upon the Word of God, being taught, and so we're guarded from false doctrine. We're to be challenged in our personal walk. It is the pastors who are following the Spirit and Word of God that will nourish and protect the sheep. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11, as we continue with our message entitled, Preparation for Missions. We are in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, in Ephesians 4. We continue to press on in this particular area of God's work of preparing all of us for the mission or for the project that he had planned and purposed and commissioned us to, remember, as Jesus called for us and directed us. We're looking at Ephesians 4, and we're going to drop down. We are now in verses 11 through 16. And that's what we're going to read this morning as we begin our little journey in. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. And he says, and he himself, and he's speaking about Jesus, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Well, last week as we began our look into this section, I spoke to you about the church's need to be equipped, to be prepared, to be ready for that mission or for that project that the Lord has sent us on or has called us to. The Lord has chosen to prepare the church for this mission, for this project, by equipping us through or for the work of ministry, by giving these particular gifts to the body that we read about in verse 11. He prepared to equip us by giving the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. And I shared with you how the equipping gifts, they're all there until the mission or the project is complete. The timing of that 
completion is very clear within the word. In verse 13, he says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of Man, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And again, as I shared last week, I don't believe that we're there yet. I believe that there's a lot of work yet before us. The mission is not complete. I believe the mission will continue on until the Lord calls us all home. So we continue to need, I believe, these gifts to equip the church for that work of ministry. And I challenged you last week, and I extend the challenge again this week. If you see any place within the Scripture that is clearer, that is more precise as far as the ending of these gifts, than we find there in verse 13, I encourage you, call me, email me, come by and visit. Let's look at what the Word says. But what I see the Word says is that these gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers continue on until we come to that place. Beloved, we're not at that place yet. We were able to go through the first three of those gifts, the apostle, the prophets, and the evangelist last week. And again, without rehashing the whole message, you can get it on the web, or you can contact the office, they'll give you a copy. An apostle, outside of the twelve who have the original office of apostle, the gift of apostle is pretty much by strict definition what you and I would call missionaries today. The prophet is one who, again, by the power of the Holy Spirit, speaks the mind and the heart and the the word of God. And then, although all of us are called to give a reason for the hope that's within us, all of us as believers should be able to share our faith, there is that gift of evangelist, a particular gifting by God to clearly explain the truth of the gospel and to be able to compel people to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Now, I know that these are very short definitions, but again, you can look at last week's message and get a deeper understanding. Now, let's look at this next gift, this gift that's called the pastor-teacher. In the Greek structure of of the sentence, and, and not to bore you with too much of the Greek syntax, basic translation of verse 11 is simply this, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. And, and the Greek word, tos day, is, is uh, again used in the translation here, translates uh, again as the definitive article, some. And that's before apostles, it's before prophets, it's before evangelists. But it's only used once in the combination of pastor, teacher. And so most look at that and, and believe that that is a, a combination gift of pastor, teacher. And although it's it's listed here, I believe clearly as, as a combined gift, we also see it within the New Testament, uh, the, the, the gift of teacher as a singular gift. We can look at Romans chapter 12. It's listed as a gift on its own. 1 Corinthians 12, teacher as a gift on its own. Galatians chapter 6, listed gift as a teacher. Again, the, that is shown elsewhere as a singular. But this combination gift, this this calling of of pastor-teacher, I believe is what Paul is speaking about here. Some say that a a good pastor and teacher would would encompass these other gifts also, that uh, a good pastor-teacher could also be seen with the heart and the mind of an apostle, uh, one who is sent out, one who is commissioned to the work of God, that a a good, well-rounded pastor-teacher would have also that gifting of prophecy, the ability to be able to proclaim the the heart and mind and the word of God in, in a clear and distinct way that people could receive it. 
that a, that a good, well-rounded pastor would also have the heart of evangelism, able to share and to compel people to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And I believe that, again, all of those things are needful and necessary. And I believe that you would agree with me that there are pastors and teachers that, that you come in contact with that, that are maybe strong in some of these areas and, and weak in others. Because the pastor-teacher is the primary gift, and these others can be just a portion of what he does. There are those who serve in the ministry as pastors, and their strength seems to move them in areas of these other gifts, yet not necessarily quite as strong in perhaps pastoral ministries. You might see someone serving in the place of a pastor. He's really, really strong in evangelism, but the pastoral ministries just, just don't seem to be there. He doesn't seem to connect well with the people. He might have the heart of, of one who is willing to go out, but again, dealing and working within the body may not be completely there. Well, I strongly believe that this gift, this calling of pastor and teacher has a particular purpose and need within the body of Christ. I believe it is necessary within the body of Christ. And it's not just because I are one, okay? I, I think that the need and the calling and that gifting needs to be within the body of Christ. The, the very word that we translate as pastor comes from the Greek word that means shepherd. The ability to be able to shepherd and guard over the sheep. With this idea of being a shepherd, we see this connection both Old Testament and New Testament with the people of God being described as sheep or simply as the flock. Remember, most of you familiar with uh, the Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And so what does that make me? That makes me a sheep, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I'm the sheep that he is guiding, he's directing. Isaiah reminds us of the very heart of God toward us as sheep and him as the shepherd. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, he says that he, speaking of God, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. That's the idea of what a shepherd ought to have. That's the heart of a shepherd toward the sheep that he's called to care for. That's the heart of God toward those who are his. A little bit later in Isaiah 53, Isaiah is very clear about our standing as sheep when he declares, all we like sheep, we've gone astray. Every one of us have turned to their own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. You see, as, as sheep, we, we tend to wander. We, we, we tend to look out beyond at other places that seem a little bit greener. And it's interesting watching sheep, how, how quickly sheep can get nervous and, and frightened and suddenly dart away and run and hide. Ezekiel chapter 34 is, is full of this illustration or this descriptive language describing God's people as sheep and the leaders of the people as shepherds. And Ezekiel speaks again of shepherds who have, who have gone away or who have been stricken and so suddenly again the sheep are scattered. That, that visual that's there is all throughout the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, remember in John 10, Jesus describes himself as what? The good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And to Peter, he particularly says, Peter, feed my sheep. He gives Peter that commission too of 
feeding the sheep, caring for the sheep, nourishing them with the word of God. And we see these in a multitude of other similar statements all throughout the New Testament. One I want you to look at with me, if you would. In, in, keep your place here in Ephesians, but turn to Acts chapter 20. Go to the left, a couple of streets back, to the book of Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem, knowing that once he hits Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested and that he will probably not see uh, these men that he's going to be speaking to again. He lands on the coastline south of Ephesus, and he tells them to call for the Ephesian elders to come down and meet him. And so as he's gathered around with the elders from the church or the churches of Ephesus, Paul begins to speak to them directly about their responsibilities to the church as leaders. So in, Ephes- or in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, we read Paul talking to the elders. He says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd or to pastor the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Again, be a diligent shepherd. The call of the one who is called as the shepherd, as the pastor, teacher of a fellowship. He has a severe responsibility, not only of feeding the sheep and caring for the sheep, but also guarding the sheep from any outside or even internal harm that might come to them. We see a really similar warning that Peter gives to us. Go to First Peter, if you would, chapter 5. Peter, who is the one that Jesus spoke to there on that seashore, go and feed my sheep. He understood this concept. Even though Peter was a fisherman, he understood the concept of what a shepherd does. In 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, Peter writes, he says, To the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2, he says, shepherd the flock of God, pastor the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Even that word overseers elsewhere uh, has been translated as bishop. So again, we have these words there. Verse 3, he says, don't be as lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. It's interesting to note that by the time we are into the writings to the churches here in the New Testament, the position and the the calling and the responsibility of the pastor is being used interchangeably with that of elder and overseer and bishop. They, they, They just kind of mix these through. And I know that some denominations, some churches, use these different phrases of elders and pastors, overseers and bishops, and they put a hierarchy within the church. And I have no great problem with that, but I see it more that these terms are interchangeable changeable as, again, the, the writings are given to the church. And those who shepherd the church correctly, 
They need to exercise the responsibility, again, that the Lord is giving them through the leading of the Holy Spirit and under the direction of the Word of God. Gang, we need to remember that it was and it is and it always will be. It's the Spirit of God working through the Word of God that will nourish the people of God. And if you're getting anything else, it's just not going to be sufficient to feed the body of Christ. All over, we have churches that have myriads of, of programs. Man, they've got uh, Monday morning programs, Tuesday morning programs, Thursday night programs, Saturday night programs, all kinds of programs that are happening, and there's nothing wrong with those. We have some churches that are able to give fantastic entertainment, just really great concerts, top-notch concerts, that again, the body of Christ comes and they're, they're blessed by, and they, they enjoy that time. There's nothing wrong with those. We have churches that are very strong in fellowship, really strong in relationship with one another. And there's a real connectedness with the body of believers. And that's a great thing to have as a body of believers. There's other churches that, again, in their normal routines, they're, they're filled with all sorts of religious rituals and, and things that they go through on a regular basis. And, again, there's nothing wrong with those. But, beloved, None of that is going to be profitable to the sheep unless they are well-fed through the Word of God, faithfully guarded, and then challenged in their walk of faith. We can have a great group of folks that just love each other and we're serving each other, a ton of social programs that go out and minister to our community in great ways. But, beloved, if we're not being fed the Word of God, then that just becomes another social event. These things are good. But it has to be founded on the foundation or based on the foundation of the Word of God being taught, the sheep being guarded from false doctrine, and being challenged in their personal walk to continue to grow in their faith. And that is the pastor-teacher's utmost job description. Feed the sheep, guard the flock, and lead them under the direction of the Holy Spirit. To put it most directly... I really think that my job as pastor-teacher is to make sure that you are the most loved and best-fed sheep in this valley. That's a responsibility that I want to shoot for. I don't think that I'm there yet. I think there's still a lot we need to be doing. But that's the goal. That's, that's, that's the direction we need to go at. Oh, and by the way, those that serve with me as assistant pastors, those that serve with the church or for the church as elders, those who are leaders of various ministries, that's your job description too. To know that the body of Christ here in this place is being fed the best they can and they're being loved as deeply as possible. And although the ministries of a church might be multiple, the work of the members of the church is what really makes the ongoing growth of the church. These offices, the, the responsibility of the offices that Paul gives us in, in verse 11 are to prepare or to equip those who are out and doing the work of ministry. Neither the pastors nor the elders, I don't know if you guys have caught this yet or not, but neither the pastors nor the elders, no matter how many elders we appoint or, or bring into the fellowship, we can't do all the work of ministry. And you know what? We weren't called to do all the work of ministry. 
We were called to prepare and equip and also to uh, give the responsibility to enable the body of believers to do that work of ministry. For us, as leadership, rather whatever the, the gifting might be, for us as, as leadership, the area that we need to understand is that sheep that are fed well, sheep that are cared for, and sheep that, that feel safe, are going to be sheep that reproduce. And you see, sheep that aren't fed well, sheep that are nervous and, and skittish in things, sheep that feel that they're under attack, they're not going to be reproducing. And it's the responsibility of sheep to reproduce. The shepherd doesn't do the reproducing, though in the great scheme of things, as a sheep, I'm part of that, okay? And I understand that. But it's the sheep that reproduce. It's the sheep that when they are well fed, when they're well cared for, when they're safe, they can go to others and say, you know what, this is a good place to be fed. This, this is a good place to be refreshed. This is a, this is a safe place. It's well fed sheep that because of the hope of the gospel that's within them, as they're growing in maturity, are able to share the truth of that gospel with a lost and dying world. Those that they rub elbows with during the week, whether it be those that they work with or their neighbors or their friends, or those that they just come in contact with. But beloved, malnourished and fearful sheep will never reproduce, or at least they're not going to reproduce very well. That's why you need to be equipped for the work of ministry. In verse 12, where we read that the purpose of those particular gifts is for the equipping, the New King James Version says for the equipping, the King James says for the perfecting of the saints. I find it, again, it's a pretty interesting to note that this word that's translated perfecting or equipping is, is actually kind of a rare word. As, as a matter of fact, this is the only place in the New Testament where it's used in this sense and in this way. In, in, in secular Greek of the time, it was used quite often. It has the meaning, the actual meaning of the word is to cause or enable or prepare something to be ready for its assigned purpose. We say perfect the sheep or equip the sheep. The word actually means to cause, to enable, to prepare something to be ready for its assigned purpose. Again, in, in secular Greek during the time, it's used in, in various ways. One of those ways is dealing with broken limbs and, and being healed and made useful again. Someone would have a broken arm, and the, the work of getting that healed and back useful again would, would have the connotation of that word. And that speaks to me of the need that many of us have from one week to the next, sometimes from one day to the next, to receive healing. And, and not so much even physical healing as much as spiritual and emotional healing. And we, we look at the body on any given time that we come together, and there's a multitude of healings that need to take place. Some, it is deep healings that's going to take a process of time, a process of ministry to that individual or to that family. Others, it's a shorter time, but that work is what we as the church need to be doing. And we do that in equipping the saints, in preparing them, in healing these emotional hurts, so then they can be strong, healthy sheep. 
The second thing he speaks about in this word, or how they used the word in secular Greek, was dealing with fishing nets that needed to be mended, preparing, repairing those fishing nets in order that they might catch fish. And again, it's the leadership of the church who assist, who prepare, who equip the body to be what? Fishers of men. In order that all of us together become effective in this ministry of fishing for men. It's part of that, 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 that process of the equipping in order that our lives might be spread out within the world, in that workplace, in the home, and with our friends, with our community, and hopefully to be able to catch more fish, fish for the kingdom. The third thing that I see is this idea of equipping or perfecting deals with the preparation or the repairing of, of ships' sails and ropes in order to, again, they might be ready for ocean voyage. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to the Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard The Open Word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through God's Word. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.